Let's go over to 2 Peter chapter 2 and talk a little bit about some things here. And we'll start in uh, verse 1. Uh, Peter, you know, Peter's an interesting character. He really came into some really good things. And I may not be able to get to uh, everything that's in this chapter here tonight. But there's a lot of the things that uh, Jude spoke about in his, his epistle. So you, sh- you should go check that out because there's a lot of similarities there to some of the things that they're uh, discussing here. But in verse 1, and we talked about you know last week here about some of these things specific to the day star rising in your heart. And then Peter continues, and he begins in verse verse 1 by saying, but there were false prophets also among the people. Now, we, we, we're always preaching Jesus, right? At every turn. We love preaching about Jesus. But as that day star is rising in your heart, what else is there? What, why are we so surprised that some of these thoughts are made manifest in our hearts. Like Peter said here, but there were also, he just got done talking about the day star rising in our hearts, right? But there were also false prophets among the people. How many years did we hear about Deuteronomy 13? The aspects of the soul, the dreamer of dreams, the false prophet, the tell, the liar, Brian's talked a lot about the teller, right? If you've heard some of his teachings on that. So if you haven't, go check it out. But those are things that are where? Where are they, Megan? Where's all of this, in fact? It's in you, isn't it? Jesus said the kingdom of God cometh not by observation, but it is within you. So what kind of kingdom is in you? Jesus said heaven is like unto a man. So what kind of man is it? A new man? If it's coming to the resurrection of Jesus, it is a new man, isn't it? But I'm asking you for a little honesty here. What, if it has not yet, right, Tim, come into a resurrection, what is it? What kind of man is it? Have you looked at it? Is it okay? Micah said Adam. That's a good answer. Because... We grew up, in fact, we talked about it with the deacons tonight. We grew up a lot of our lives chasing after the things of God. And Keith, we didn't even know that the story of Adam was in us. You could say it either way. I didn't know I was in the story of Adam or that the story of Adam was in me. Either way. We were not consciously aware of that. But it was true. It was absolutely true. So now when you look inwardly at the world that God has set in your heart, according to Ecclesiastes, you have to ask yourself, what kind of world is it? Well, John said the whole world lieth in wickedness. I've been thinking about that. I've been thinking about the things of wickedness. I've been thinking about what God saves us from. Why the need for Jesus. Why we preach his gospel. Because we don't preach another gospel. We preach his gospel. Now, it might be after a different similitude, depending on the elder, depending on the angel, depending on the son, depending on the perception and the understanding and where they're at in prophecy, sure. But it's going to be Jesus. But in the preaching of that Jesus that we hear about all the time, you go back to Revelation 1 and you start looking at how Jesus talked to the angel in those churches. What did he address there? Did he he address the resurrection as a whole or did he do it in part? Because when you go look at Luke 5, it talks about a resurrection of those that come unto life and those that come unto death, does it not? When he talked to the angel, did he explain to the angel who he was? And then he told him all the good things. But did he also show him where there were some things that were coming forth, that needed to be addressed. So you can't miss that. 
in the gospel of Jesus, or better yet, the revelation of Jesus Christ, he's going to address both life and death. You don't want to miss one or the other. It'd be no different than to say that if you hear this gospel and you go into condemnation and you're, you're drawn to thoughts of death all the time, what you got working there? You got a false prophet preaching a different gospel to you, lying to you, deceiving you, beguiling you? Does that serpent have to be addressed? Does that false prophet have to be addressed? Absolutely. We should not shy away from those things. We should let God shine light on it. Isn't that all that is needed? When you, when you listen to the way Jesus talked about it, he, talk, he talked about the light from heaven shining on a thing to do what to it? To manifest it. How many have ever been afraid to be manifested? couple hands it's all the ladies raising their hands no men ever been afraid to be met thank you guys men are too proud dan said well i'm gonna tell you i've been manifested keith have you not seen my parable clear as day are you afraid to have your parable manifested you're saying well i don't want to be a bad parable well, what if the spirit of a false prophet is working in you? Would it be God's intent to reveal that so you could come to an understanding in that conversation, discern that thing, and bring it to judgment and overcome it? Or is your desire to linger in it, stay in it, continually cycling in it? This is the thing we do. But it would not be the will of God. So let me keep reading. He said, there's false prophets, even as there are false teachers among you, who shall privily bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that brought them. Good God, man. You talk about a need for doctrine. We so need doctrine. The foundation of truth. This is why God has teachers. Because without doctrine, I promise you, we would have no church. We would be a fly-by-night outfit. We would be a nesting place for devils. Do you follow what I'm saying? In other words, if anything goes, you don't even know what you believe in. Guess what you're doing? You're entertaining spirits unaware that are creeping into your spirit, talking to you, and you can't even discern between good and evil. You can't even put your finger on what kind of spirit it is. And you don't even know it's not God. So why do we need doctrine? Because doctrine's going to sure it up, man. This is exactly why Peter said, we now have a more sure word of prophecy. Have you guys ever really thought about prophecy and the implications to it? You don't realize it at times, but you're in prophecy right now. Did you know that? How'd you get there? Did God just secretly or magically put you there or did you get put there? Who started that? Right here in our midst, who started that? Rick? That'd be a good answer. Why? Because the Lord visited him? Taught him how to put you in prophecy? And he didn't leave it there. He imparted it. Now you got another guy. You've got others among us that can put you in prophecy. Why is that important? Because in Jesus Christ, concerning the things of the kingdom of God and the kingdom that God is establishing in our hearts, it is his foremost desire that all things be reconciled, Keith, back unto himself. Everything that devil stole, every lie that's ever been told, every seduction, every beguiling, every deceiving, 
everything. And, and Adam and Eve are a great parable of that. That's how God started the story, at least according to the Bible, right? Because you don't know much else. You don't know the history of heaven. You just open up the book and you see something concerning the creation of God. And then all of a sudden, Adam and Eve and the serpent comes and boom, there you go. You got an entire story with generations that come from them in good and evil. But when you get to know Jesus intimately, personally, and he can trust the revelation of the mystery of Christ to you, he will begin to talk to you more intimately about the origin of those things. But why? Why is that so important? Because if God does not do that, you remain in your sin. You remain. Think about never hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Think about never hearing Jesus die on the cross. Think about never hearing about the blood shed. There's no remission of sins without the blood. So you would remain in death with no escape. Could you imagine? That'd be horrible. Imagine being trapped in an eternity, cycling in a curse, never being able to escape. Peter's going to address some of that here. But I wanted to call out those heresies because there are things that work to oppose the doctrine of Christ. And this is what Peter is dealing with right here. Damnable heresies. Think about this now. We're not going to get into the intricacies of this. I'm just going to preach it a little bit. Damnable heresies. He's telling you that there are false doctrines by these false teachers that tickle your ears Tell you what you want to hear, but do not deliver you from sin. Isaiah said, it's your sin that separates you from me. So when you think about what God is doing for us, have you ever considered what God is actually saving us from? How important it is because eternity is a very long time. So what, what if God was to desire to change your eternity tonight, Don? What if God desired such a thing? Well, God does desire that. He would love to change your eternity, Megan. He would love to do it. What would possibly hinder that? See, I remember years and years ago. I don't remember how many years ago, but we were at a conference. I don't even remember where the conference was at. But I remember that Rick had all of us elders. I was actually going to talk to Dan about this, Dan and Brian, but I'll just mention it in part here. And we brought in, there was quite a few people there, but a lot of the ladies were there that night. Do you, some of you remember this when we stood some of the ladies up and around the room it went. Each elder had to talk to the woman. Sharon, you were there, right? And we had to give you the word of the Lord on where you were at and what was hindering you. Remember that? Boise. All right. So some of you remember more than I do about the physicality of it. You remember that, right, Dan? I, I'll, never, I'll never forget that Rick come to us afterwards and ask us the question and talk to me one-on-one -on -one after. At some point, I just, I don't remember all the details of it. But ask me, why do you think we went after only the things of death? And there was no prophecy concerning life. Well, God revisited me on that a few days ago. Specifically, for some of the women that were in that meeting. God's not going to leave you just in death because the word that's been imparted into us though it has went after the man of sin consistently for many years has brought us to Jesus and Jesus is going to bring the life that was missing at that time not saying that life wasn't there Tim but it just is what it is when you haven't come into certain things in the Holy Ghost there's no easier way for me right now to say that. And maybe some had come in at that time and maybe they just didn't say anything. But I'm pretty, pretty sure based on what Rick had said that we had just not come into some things at that time. 
And I don't even remember how many years ago was that. Do you ladies remember? Five years ago. So everything that the enemy has done, how easy was it for us to call that out, Keith? Have we been pretty good at calling some of that out? Sometimes even missing the thing that's worked in our own spirit. Think about what I just said. So we're going to revisit that. But I wanted to throw that out there real quick. But we're going to revisit that. He said, these damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that brought them, bring upon themselves swift destruction, and many shall follow their pernicious ways, by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. And through covetousness shall they with feign words make merchandise of you, whose judgment now of a long time lingereth not, and their damnation slumbereth not. Why? Because it's been brought into a manifestation. When you've got resurrection walking among you, you've got a resurrection of life and damnation. So there are things that are being raised from the dead that you were not counting on. You didn't even know they were there. And sometimes it's very easy to be gravitated to the thing of death. But I'm telling you here tonight, Jesus Christ has come and his intent is as clean as clean can get. His desire from the beginning was that you understood this. That's why the commandment came. Because when this thing in you does not quite understand what it is God is saying. God already knows there's a serpent in the mist. So God speaks the commandment to the thing that doesn't fully understand with intent. And sometimes we have misjudged that intent as evil. Sometimes we've actually accused God of being evil. Now, maybe you're not consciously aware of that, but I can tell you I've done it. Keith, you ever done it? Dan, you ever done it? This is why the Holy Ghost comes, because when you come into an honest heart and this man of sin begins to be revealed, the honest ground, the good ground begins to come forth. You can live all you want to in the wayside ground, the stony ground, the, the thorny ground. And we've done it all, I promise you. We've lived, we've become, we've been every one of those grounds. But it's the good ground God's looking for. And when that good ground begins to manifest, there's honesty there. There's desire for God. There's a love for God. We just got done talking about it. So this should make a lot of sense to the deacons at least. God's looking for that good ground in you. But in this resurrection, in this visitation of God, you've got a mix of both at the time. You've got things of life being resurrected, so you're on fire for God. You've got this, this anointed desire to know more about the things of God. But then suddenly... You get bombarded with these thoughts that are, oh my God, they can be disgusting and full of lies and torment and all kinds of horrific things. And they can work the imagination. I mean, work it, man, work it. You'll dream it. You'll vision it. You'll imagine it. You'll fantasize it. You'll think on it. You'll meditate on it. This is the drawing away. You remember what Paul said? Before that day can come, being the day of the Lord, there must first be a great falling away. And that man of sin must be revealed. Is it so hard to believe that we are seeing the day of the Lord in our midst? Is that so hard to believe? We say we've always believed it. We've, we say we've always looked for it. We say we've always desired it. We've always prayed for it. And yet it is among us. So that means there's been a revealing of that great falling away. 
You could tie that right into Revelation 12. What if God was to experience in you, Megan, the great falling away, and you could see the third of those angels drawn away by the tail of the dragon? What if? What if that wonder could be revealed in you? What if, what if God was to visit you in this life and show you those things? How intimate would that be? And what intent would God be working there? Would it just be so you could be the best preacher among us or the best teacher among us or you could be the most glorified among us or the one to be thought the most spiritual among us? No. This is all about Jesus. So when God starts to shine the heart, the, the light in on the heart the, the, and reveal the hidden things, it, it gets real, doesn't it? How real you want it to get? You want it to get a little real or you want it to get very, very real? I was talking to Mike yesterday and I remember... And I've said this many, many times. I remember going to Rick's house one day when we were chatting over there in Bolingbrook, and I, I'm driving down the road. It's amazing when you're driving and the Holy Ghost shows up on the scene and puts you in a vision while you're driving. <laughs> Rick said he had a, a, a vision one time while he was driving. It was like he, 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 was, he was gone for an unspecified amount of time. Don't even know who was driving the car. Just in the vision. Now, I'm not telling you to go get in your car tonight and test it out and try to daydream while you're driving. Let it be the Holy Ghost. But I get a vision and I see the heavens and the earth ablaze in flame, being burned up. God was burning it up. The whole heaven, the whole earth was set on fire. And I knew then. God, you're, you're about to visit me. Because at that time, we, we, were, we had already come to the conclusion that some things that we had that we called God that worked in this false prophet was not God. And we needed to know who God was, Keith. You guys want to know who God is, right? You got to know Jesus to know that. Jesus is the one that reveals God the Father to you. He's the one. That's awesome, isn't it? You know him in the persona of Jesus, in the face of Jesus, that's how you're going to see the invisible God. That's awesome, man. And Jesus wants to tell you about the Father. He wants to. And those he has visited, he has done so. But you see that heaven and that earth burning up, and you know, oh my God, man, I'm about to get a visitation, God. And the prayer that that vision created was, burn it up, Lord. Burn it all up. If that's the will of God, burn it up. I embraced that vision. I didn't run from it. I embraced it. I just didn't know the extent of that prayer at that time, Keith. I didn't know how real that things were about to get, how deep God was going to go. Well, if you've known some of the depths of Satan, how, how deep does God have to go to get all of that back? I'm not telling you God's trying to save that devil. I am telling you God is going to convert some of the things that are working in you that have repented. And once they repent, they're baptized in water in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. They're going to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Try to tell me that it's a devil anymore. Because in all honesty, an unclean spirit, a devil, a demon, what you would call a demon. And yes, demons are real. What you would call a demon is just a lie anyway. That's all it really is when you just bring it down to the simplicity of it all. So when Jesus cast out devils, what was he casting out? He was casting lies out. When Mary Magdalene, full of seven devils, had seven devils cast out of her, she had seven lies cast out of her. Seven lies. And in its place, what did Jesus put there? Truth. You know why he was able to put the truth there? Because from that day forth, the lies that were preventing her from following Jesus were removed. And she gave her life to Jesus from that day forth. And she was one of the women that followed Jesus everywhere he went. And I don't care what history says. I don't care what any of the scholars say. 
There was not a sexual thing there. There wasn't a, a work of perversion there. It wasn't something of the flesh. No. Mary Magdalene was a daughter of God, and Jesus knew it. Therefore, she was one of his daughters. And she was following him, once defiled, now made clean, Keith. Clean. Could you imagine being clean? No longer defiled. That's what I'm, that's what I'm after here tonight. That's what I'm talking about. There are some spirits that have defiled you. The word of Jesus Christ that's being preached every single week in this place. And I'll just, I'll go a step further. Even when you don't see this guy over here preaching and teaching in this pulpit right here, whatever you want to call it, table, I don't know what to call this thing. When you see him up here teaching, that is not the only time he's ministering before the Lord on your behalf. You wouldn't believe if I told you how active his angel actually is. Because the mind, the carnal mind, can't comprehend some of those things. But I promise you this. He's visiting your temple. He's visiting your spirit. He's visiting your church. He's visiting you. Just like Jesus did in that book of Revelation. When he come into that angel. When he come into that entity. And he's giving that angel that good word of God. But he's also saying, but nevertheless, brother, I have somewhat against you. Because I love you, I'm going to tell you the truth. And he would begin to expound upon the things that was working in the heart of that brother, Keith. He would begin to tell him what was about to defile him. And if you listen to that and you hear that and that is quickened to you, I'm telling you right now, we believe in a Jesus. We believe in a Holy Ghost and an anointing. That'll fire that word up in you and cast out devils. Devils that if you could see, if you could pull back the veil and actually see them. And actually see how wicked and disgusting they really are. And, and better yet, if you could actually go into them and actually know their thought and know their will and know their intent. And what burns in them against God in you. You would run from them. But because you don't see it like that, they disguise themselves. They come in different images, in different forms. They work in fantasy. They work in imagination. They work in all kinds of subtleties. And because you haven't discerned the spirit of it, you could have a false prophet lying to you, calling himself a servant of God. And actually have him sow something into your spirit that defiles you and takes you down a path that could bring you into captivity for years to come. Some of us have been through this already. And God had to come and get us. Remember how David talked about God saving him out of a pit? I'm going to tell you, God has saved this eldership out of a pit. And if there be anything remaining... No worries. God's going to get that too. So when you talk about these things, this has real spiritual implications. I'm going to show you in just a minute what Peter says in verse 4, just how serious the implications are. But watch this. He mentions again about this covetousness. This is how they get you. They work massive lust, Keith, massive lust. You've talked a lot about those Pharisees at times over the years. That's, that's a manifestation of these spirits we're dealing with right now that work in covetousness with feigned words that make merchandise of you. They make sport of you. They have no goodwill toward you. Am I freaking you guys out tonight? I mean, there's some somber faces in this place. Don't be scared of this. That's the whole point. You've got covering in the Holy Ghost people that have received deliverance, anointings, 
casting out of devils. What, you think the eldership has never experienced the casting out of devils? I'm saying, having had devils cast out of us? I'm telling you right now, we could testify about it. Devils being cast out. We've made no secret about the parables we've been in and past lives, if you will. The strife, the contention, the, the constant battle and war. Do you know what it's like to, to live a life where your constant thought is war? Do you understand what I'm saying? I'm telling you, it's a nightmare, man. And at the time you think it's God, you think it's the way it's got to be. But when you come out of it and God, God takes you away from it and you can actually see it for what it is, you're like, my God, man, why, how did I ever get seduced by that? That is, that's horrific. But thanks be to God, he comes and gets you. He comes and gets you. Because if you, if you could save yourself, why Jesus? So you don't have to worry about that part. That's why Jesus came. If Adam could have saved himself, he would have never fell. If he'd have just been obedient in the garden and kept the commandment of God, he wouldn't have fell to begin with. But because that serpent was in the mist, there was something weak in him that got seduced. And on and on, this thing goes. We should not be so shocked. Because the higher you go, I got news for you, the higher you go, the greater these enemies are, the greater the revealing of them are. And that is not said to discourage you. That's just to put you in a reality check to let you know that God's got your back the whole way through. But listen to what he says here. He said, whose judgment now of a long time lingereth not, their damnation summereth not. For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to, re, to be reserved. This is some of the same language that Jude deals with, right? Spared not, I'm sorry, let me back up. To be reserved unto judgment and spared not the old world, but saved Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly, turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overthrow, making them an example unto those that after should live ungodly. This is real stuff right here. Listen to what he says about Lot. And delivered just Lot, vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. But listen to the context of this. For that righteous man dwelling among them in seeing and hearing, vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. Now do you understand why we tell you, you do not want to sit at the table of devils. Why would you put your soul in a place to be vexed? The devil is a liar. He's never going to tell you the truth. If you sit and talk with him, you say, well, maybe I need to talk to the, to the devil. Daniel, I need to talk to the devil because I won't really know the devil until I sit down and have a conversation with him. But he's a liar, Keith. You think that joker's ever going to tell you the truth anyway? Who do you need to talk to? You need to talk to Jesus. And if you can't talk to Jesus, there's a good representation in the earth. Sin here by Jesus himself. I'm just telling you. And if you could get past his avatar and talk to his angel, whoo, man, that's good stuff. Why? Because his angel's not working in sin like these angels did. Man, when you start, you're like, angels? Sinned? Haven't you read the story in Genesis 6 about the sons of God? Oh, yeah. There was sin in heaven. That's what got him booted out to begin with. But, you know, it's always been interesting. 
if you think about a third that fell, I remember Rick saying the first time, that means two-thirds is still there. That blew my mind. When I first, I, I, that blew my mind. Why? Because I, just like everybody else, gravitated to the thing of death. Oh, a third fell, a third fell, a third fell. Yeah, but two-thirds didn't. Two-thirds didn't sin. You've got angels in heaven that have never sinned. They don't even know this. They don't even know some of these things because they have not sinned. They learned it by commandment, just being obedient to the word of God. And when I say don't know it, I'm saying don't know the depths of Satan, Micah. But some who went out by great desire that have known the depths of Satan, who has to come and get you out of that? You think you can get yourself out of that? Haven't you tried that long enough? Haven't you looked at yourself in the mirror, and I'm talking about the mirror of the Word of God, and said, oh, I'm going to do it. This is the year, man. You know, you hear, you hear Brian say, this is the year of the Spirit. You hear Dan say, this is the, the year God's going to bring us into the day of rest. You hear those things, and what leaps in your heart, Shell? Uh, this joy, this, this, this desire that says, oh, man, yeah. Heck yeah, dude, I'm all, give me a ticket for that train. And then you get by yourself and what starts talking to you? What begins to vex you? What begins to try to dissuade you? What begins to discourage you? What begins to try to tell you that's not true? That's only true for him. He's the only one that's experiencing that. So that's, that's just for him. In actuality, there's been more than that. Some of you have actually had God talk to you. You don't even know it because you let it slip in the middle of the night. You wake up and the first thing you do is grab your phone. And I'm not judging you here, guys. I'm not criticizing you, but you, I'm just making a point. You grab your phone and you go about your day. What about this? Before you go to sleep at night, grab your Bible and read the word of God, like your soul depends upon it. Not, not saying you got, don't get into a law. Don't, don't go into this. So I got to read 20 chapters a night. Why? Your eyelids are going to defeat you before you get to, to chapter three. You're not going to make it. No. Let the good word of God talk to your heart. Wherever that, wherever that good word of God comes from, go to that word of God and go to sleep in thoughts of peace. That God loves you. That God is after you. That God's chasing that soul in you to get it back from what the devil did. We know what the problem is. The problem is sin. But Jesus took care of that on the cross. So you go to sleep after reading that Bible and maybe, maybe. God talks you in the middle of the night. Or maybe you're in a daydream and God's talking to you. Or maybe you're in a meditation and the Lord's talking to you. Or maybe you're just reflecting on something that was spoken. Dan taught or Brian taught or Keith taught or Pastor Dave on Monday night taught. And you're just in the meditation of that and it's lighting your heart up with joy. And you're giving yourself to that. See, you've, you've pushed your chair back from the table of devils and you've pulled up a chair by invitation to the table of the Lord and you're... Now you're conversating with the good word of God. Satan has no power there. You guys understand that? He has no power at God's table. He does not have any power at God's table. God's kingdom isn't run by the devil. God's throne is secure. That's good, you say, Megan? That is good, isn't it? That's because it's God. You don't have angels, cherubims, seraphims. I, I go to Revelation 4 and I see where these living creatures, these seraphims of God are going back and forth crying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. I don't see them concerned about the devil, Keith. But we're drawn to it. We're drawn to it. Why? Because he's ever knocking on the door. This is not to say that if we make wrong decisions in this life, there's not consequences. I told you I've been thinking about some things on wickedness. Listen, there are things that Satan would 
definitively love to seduce you into. If he could draw you away even now, he would do it. This is why it's time more so than ever to be fervent in the faith. Contend for the faith. Take, let this word of God that's being given to you, let it grip your heart. It doesn't have to be a fear by way of torment. It's a fear of reverence in the Father. It's a fear that you know there is a devil, like Peter said, walking about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may destroy. So why do I need to be faithful? Why do I need to pray? Why do I need to get into the scriptures? Why do I need to come to church? Because there's a devil. Hey, this is so funny. I'm thinking about you telling me this guy, telling there's devils walking around the hallway. And when, you know, it, it's, it's true. But in the hallways of your heart, let's put it that way. Because it it's actually, actually was pretty hilarious, but it's a good parable. When we were growing up in what I call now uh, organized religion, <laughs> I say that to distinguish the fact that there's still actually a religion among us. I'm just telling you. You wouldn't believe it, but if you go into this world right here, you're going to find some religion. Right, Keith? You're going to find it. You're going to find some Pharisees. How, how do you think that you're any better than Jesus? Jesus came into a world full of violence. I mean, they killed him. And we think, not in my world. Not in my world. I would never kill Jesus. You want me to say it? You ever... Got a word from Daniel that you rejected, that you hated, that you despised, that you were in animosity with. You want to you want to take that one? You have, right? You don't mind, do you? Because I am putting you on the spot. What'd you do to that word? But what did it do to that word? It killed it, didn't it? Yes. It killed it. How could you say, if I was back in the day, I, would, I wouldn't have been there in the crowd crying Barnabas. That was his name, right? What was it? Barabbas. Barnabas. I wouldn't have been crying Barabbas. I'd have been crying Jesus. His own disciples scattered when they took him. Peter himself denied him three times. Don't tell me. You don't know what's in your heart until God shows it to you. But I promise you this. When you're walking in this world, sometimes you will see some violent, violent things. This is why it's so important to know who you are in God. Because if you know you're a son of God and you're sent by God, then you're walking in the world as a son of God, not a victim. Even when they killed Jesus, Jesus never had the mindset he was a victim he told Pilate, for this purpose was I born. This was ordained of God, Keith. So that Jesus coming into the world and dying the way he did and shedding his blood was by design. Prophetic design. <laughs> Tell me the devil can undo that. He can't touch it. That's why in his death and his resurrection, he he showed openly those principalities and powers. He, I'm telling you, he, he glorified in their defeat. There was great joy in that. Hebrews talks about it, right? For the joy that was set before him. What joy is he talking about? Is he talking about the day, Micah, that he sees that young word of God in you rise up and overcome every devil that's ever lied to you? When the day star, the morning star rises in your heart, just like the star that did in Bethlehem to show the sign of his birth, you know that star can rise in you? It's got to. It has to. 
Because Jesus has to come into your world to begin the work of that salvation of the Lord. No matter what those men did, did Jesus get them where he wanted them to go? You think God's going to forget you? Or is God going to get you where you need to go? God's going to finish this, I promise you. He's going to get you where you need to go. And I'm not talking about you, Tim McHenry, or you, Megan, or you, Micah, or you, Julie. Because we all know by way of the avatar, you're going to perish and die one day and be no more. And maybe if you're surrounded by a lot of good loved ones, they might remember you for a generation or two. Maybe. Probably have a picture of you. Dan will have the caption, great grandpappy. And they'll, they'll, once a year, they'll celebrate great grandpappies once lifetime. But what after that? After that, this angel of God, this son of God, will be a ministering spirit working on your behalf. Just like he's done in this lifetime. Overcoming false prophets. Overcoming false teachers. You know how you overcome a false teacher? Anybody? How simple is that? How do you overcome false doctrine? Just present the true doctrine. How do you overcome devils, man? Praise God, Jesus. How simple an answer is that? And that's one word answered the whole thing. <laughs> the name of heaven, man. You just preach Jesus. I, I got news for you. You preach Jesus, devils get stirred. They, they, they're nervous at the arrival of men of God. Women of God. They, they just they get nervous. Sometimes they can see you coming and... Run the other way. Sometimes they don't even want the encounter. But when you're young and you're growing up in some things, they don't know, they don't quite know yet, nor do you, that you're even a son of God. And you try to go handle some things that you weren't quite ready for, and you might take a licking. But as long as you keep on ticking, you're good. I would greatly encourage you to go read in some of this. But I want to just revisit real quickly. If God spared not the angels that sinned, how important is this? How important is this word of God that we get every week? How important? Your eternity depends on it. Your soul depends on it. it, it it's okay. We know you got lied to. We know the story. We know we were there. I was once upon a time one of those stars that got seduced. I, I, I get it. But what about the rest of the story? Isn't that what Paul Harvey used to say? Now for the rest of the story. Well, we got the rest of the story. And that's not the end of the story. The fall is not the end of the story. Sin is not the end of the story. Death is not the end of the story. Could you imagine we're, we're heading into Easter. Brian's having us out because it's Easter. So we can preach out there on, on Easter Sunday. And we're going to do it too, man. We're going to do it, God willing. What if on Easter morning, what, what, what they call Easter morning. Let's just put it in the word of God. What if on resurrection morning, there was no rock rolled back. There was no angel at the tomb where once laid the body of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. There were no women running to the grave and being met by these angels. Because it was the women that were there first. You women, you, I'm telling you, you do not yet know how great things God has in store for you. You don't even know it yet. You think you do, but you don't. But it's coming. Because we're bringing you with you, with us. The Lord is bringing you with us. 
we're not alone anymore. Right? Now, what if you get to the tomb and the story ended? And you, you didn't get the rest of the story. Hard to preach a resurrection without a resurrected body, huh, Keith? But we have the rest of that story. We know what the devil did. But we know now what Jesus has done. So what am I telling you here tonight? What was the ultimate of all this here tonight? You don't have to remain in your sin. You don't have to be detoured. You don't have to linger. You don't have to be in bondage. You don't have to stay in captivity. You don't have to be enamored by the wonder of the lie of the false prophet, the tell of the dragon. You, we get it. You fail. Let's go. Let's go. Get over it. You fail. We get it. You messed up. But Jesus came to repair the breach. He sent you gifts from heaven to impart unto you the anointed truth of God. And John said it like this. We preach these things to you. We share these things with you that your joy may be full and that you may have fellowship with us. I'm telling you, man, if it's truly the year that we're coming into these things, and I only say that to put it out there as a provoking, I already know what it is. I'm telling you that if you truly believe that, then latch a hold of this thing. Get a hold of it like you never have before and let it change you. Let it create in you the new man, the new being. Let God overcome the thing that needs to be overcome, which needs to be at first made manifest and revealed to you. Don't be afraid of that. Let God reveal it. Let God talk to you about it and be, be at ease. I'm not saying take it lightly. I'm saying be at peace in the thing because God's intent is to talk to you like a father. Dan's given a lot of good examples of, I know he jokes around like having the, the courtroom and all right, I'm the judge coming. We're going to pass sentence. I get it. It's all, it's all good fun and games and stuff. But when you look at this guy, when you look at Keith, Keith's got a wonderful family. Do you think that either one of these elders of God ever mistreated their children, ever cursed them, wished evil upon them. These men of God love you. God loves you. We love you. You guys believe that? And we pray for you. We pray for you that the day star rise in your heart and that you see the things we have seen and, and hopefully greater things. Wouldn't that be awesome? All right, guys. Appreciate you guys. All of you online, God bless you.